Welcome to the St George's Leeds Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the talk. Shall we pray together? God, we want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you that you speak to us today. And I pray that as we come around your word together now, that you would give us open eyes, ears and hearts to hear all that you're saying to us this evening. Amen. Well, good evening, everybody. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Richard. As has already been said, I'm the curate down the road at Holy Trinity Ball Lane, and it's great to be with you this evening. Over the last few weeks, we've been moving through a sermon series called Resurrection Hope, and I'm very excited that I get to finish off that series for us all this evening. However, before we get on to that final finishing off, I just want to recap a little bit of what Joanna said last week because, A, because I think it was really good. Thank you, Joanna. But also because I think it sets us up really nicely for what we're going on to think about this evening. So one of the many things that Joanna spoke to us about last week was this idea of history and how different groups of people view history. We were told that some people view history as cyclical, the idea being that similar things basically happen over and over again in a slightly similar guise. We saw how some people view history as a steady, relentless decline into something like oblivion, basically, where everything is just on its way down and down and down. Whereas others view it as the opposite, and rather than believing that things are on the way down, they're actually progressing and heading up to some kind of utopian future. The thing is, as Christians, we have our own understanding of history. We have a view of history based on the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. Jesus lived the life that we could never live and died the death that we should have died. After spending three days in the grave, he came back to life. He resurrected, and in doing so, he broke the power of sin, fear, and death. With his resurrection, He inaugurated, or he began, the new creation in eternity, where in the words of Revelation 21, verse 4, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. They are some of my favorite words in the whole Bible. And it describes a place where all Christians are headed for all eternity. We get to see glimpses of that eternity now, and we get to see it in all its glory and in all its fullness when Jesus comes again to fully bring in the kingdom that he began ushering in with his first coming. Now let me pause there just for a second. That is a great promise. And it's the promise that is the heart of the Christian gospel. It's at the heart of the Christian faith. All those who know and love Jesus, share in his resurrection promise of joining with him in the new and perfected creation for all eternity. If you're not a Christian here today, and you like the sound of that, I want to tell you today that you can become a Christian this evening. 
If that sounds like something you'd want to do, feel free to talk to me or to Tom or Joanna. We would love to talk to you more about that. If that's something that sounds like you want to know more about, please do talk to us after the service. However, at the same time as talking about this amazing, perfect world that we get to one day inherit, we know, don't we, that right now we live in a world where while we see plenty of glimpses of the kingdom of God breaking through, we also see plenty of instances of evil having its way. You hardly need me to tell you about all the difficulties that we're facing at the moment. But let me have a little go anyway. In the last few weeks, months, years, what have we seen? We've seen Russia invade Ukraine. We've seen the cost of living crisis. Ever-growing inequality between the rich and the poor. COVID, increasing and correctly increasing alarm and worry about the state of our climate, as well as any number of personal issues that each and every one of us faces day after day that get nowhere near the news. You don't need me to tell you that the world we live in at the moment is a broken world. All of this brings us around to what I want us to think about this evening which is to get really practical and to ask, how are we to live in this world as we pray for and prepare for the next one? That's where this evening's passage comes in. So in our passage, we hear Paul, the author of Ephesians, he talks about two selves. Don't you notice that he talks about two selves. He talks about the old self in verse 22 and the new self in verse 24. Now, in verse 22, he describes the old self as one that has been corrupted by its evil desires. So old self corrupted by evil desires. And new self, in verse 24, that's created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So old self, corrupted. New self, righteousness and holiness. That's what Paul's talking about. And the thing is, in relation to this stuff, I think we see a lot of people make a fairly fundamental mistake when they think about Christianity. So I think a lot of people think that Christianity is all about the eternity that we talked about earlier. You know, people kind of realise that Christians believe in something that's going to come in the future. You know, when we die, we go to heaven and it's going to be great. That's kind of what a lot of people think about Christianity. And it's what a lot of Christians think about Christianity as well. The problem with that is is that it completely skips over the fact that Christianity is supposed to make a difference to the here and now as well. Eternity, absolutely, but here and now too. So if that eternity but not now isn't true, what is true is that once someone becomes a Christian, they enter into the lifestyle of the kingdom that Jesus came to usher in. So if you're a Christian here today... You have already entered into the lifestyle that Jesus came to usher in as part of his kingdom. That's what's true. So what that means is, is that when we're talking about kind of the old self and the new self, what we're talking about is shedding the value systems, beliefs and assumptions of this fallen world, which can be thought of in relation to the old self, and instead taking on the values, beliefs and assumptions of the kingdom which can be thought of as the new self. So we're taking one off and we're putting one on. 
The theological word for this process is sanctification. And its aim is, as Paul says, to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, being like God sounds like quite a big task. Or at least it does to me. But don't worry, the process is a gradual one. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3.18 that we're being transformed from one degree of glory to another. He doesn't say it happens all at once. He says that it happens one degree at a time. It's a gradual process. It's a lifelong process for the Christian. The question then is, how does this process happen? Firstly, I want to tell you how it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen by us gritting our teeth and just trying really hard to be as good as we can for as long as we can. Some people might be able to manage that for a while. But ultimately, everyone is going to fail at that. Everyone will fail at that. And the thing is, even if you found somebody who could succeed at that, that's still not how the process works because it makes it all about you and your effort when Christianity is all about Jesus and what he's done. So it isn't about you trying to do as well as you can. We're saved by grace, not works. So if it isn't about that, what is it? Because we can't just will ourselves to holiness. We have to be made holy through the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us. I'll say that again. We have to be made holy through the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us. The only choice we really have is the extent to which we're willing to subject ourselves to the Spirit's work in us. That's basically the choice we've got. Are we going to submit ourselves to the Spirit or are we not? That's the choice. Now, I think it goes without saying, as someone who's just become a a curate, a vicar, that I think we should be subjecting ourselves to the Spirit as much as we can. Hopefully that's not a surprise. Now, there are many ways in which the Spirit works. So what's, what's coming isn't me saying there is one and only way in which the Spirit works and that's it. Spirit works in different ways in different places at different times. But I do think that Paul points to one way in this passage. So that's what I'm going to talk about. And I think it might be a bit of a surprising one for most people. See, I think Paul talks a lot in our passage about the importance of our thought life and the mind. The importance of our thought life and the mind. Bible scholar Craig Keener says that one's attitudes and values affect one's lifestyle. Paul knew this, which is why he commands us in verse 23 to be made new in the attitude of our minds. Everyone acts based on attitudes and values. So as Christians, we need to make sure that our attitudes and values are being shaped in ways that will lead to holiness. All our attitudes and values are being shaped somehow. We don't get a choice in that. The question is, how are they being shaped? Well, how do we do this? How do we shape them in such a way? There are many ways that people have found over the years of Christianity to cultivate our minds in such a way as to lead to the kind of sanctification and holiness that God wants for us. So what I'm about to give you now are a few, not all of them. Okay. So firstly, Bible reading. To my mind, and this is me, not the Bible, to my mind, 
there is no good reason for a Christian to not be reading their Bible every single day. I'll say that again. There is no good reason for a Christian to not be reading their Bible every single day. You can read it. You can listen to it. You can journal through it. You can even live in it now. Like we saw that earlier, there are loads of different ways in which we can access the Bible. If you're struggling with the Bible, pick a gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, read a chapter a day, and journal anything that struck you or any questions you have about it. Really easy way to start. We are bombarded every day with information from all sides. If we're not reading and engaging with Scripture, we're just going to get our mind shaped by the world around us rather than by Jesus and the biblical authors. Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Notice the options there. You're either conformed or you're transformed. There's no middle option where you just kind of stay neutral and just kind of stay as you are. Same with old self and new self. There's no old self, new self, and then kind of present self where you just kind of crack on as you like. It's not an option. Old self or new self, conformed or transformed. They're your options. As Christians, the question is, which one are we going to do? Bible reading is a key way in which we end up on the right side of that. So, Bible reading. Second one, prayer. After you've read a passage of scripture, pray and ask God what he's saying to you through it. And then take some time to listen as he draws you to a particular verse or word. We can so often read and access the Bible to tick the box and say we're done. We need to get into the pattern of allowing our Bible reading to transform and change us as we invite God into the process rather than trying to mine it for gold all on our own. So Bible reading and prayer go together. One final, and in my view, vastly underused practice that Jesus required, by the way, he said when you do this, not if, is fasting. And I'm talking about fasting food here, specifically. I'm talking about not eating something when you normally should. That's what I'm talking about. Now, there are, I realise there are some for whom fasting isn't an option for medical reasons. Fine. But if it is an option, you should do it. Pick a meal a week, and if you're struggling, Friday breakfast, done. Yeah? Pick a meal a week and cut it out. And instead, fill that time with worship, Bible, prayer, or something similar. So at the time of that meal, you're, you're giving that time over to God. And then as you start to get hungry later in the day, use each hunger pang as a reminder to say a short little prayer to God. Ask him for help, thank him for something, or pray for somebody else. That's Bible, that's prayer, that's fasting. We started with a big picture of Jesus' resurrection. That gives us a firm hope for eternity where all the broken things of this world will be no more. That's true. However, that eternity has started here and now in the midst of this broken world. And we, as followers of Jesus, are called to put on our new self as we start to live out and witness to the values of the kingdom in the here and the now. Practices like the ones I've just outlined will open us up to the transformative power of the Spirit of God as we seek to do just that. Thank you for listening to the St George's Lead Sermon Podcast. For more talks or information, 
visit stgs.org.uk.